is Diagnosis Glaucoma with your hosts, Dr. Mona Colleen and Dr. Harry Quigley. Welcome back for this episode on angle closure glaucoma. For those of you who are just joining us, we recommend that you go back and listen to episode number five, where we review the basics of the angle. It'll really help you to understand what we're targeting when we treat glaucoma. Angle closure or closed angle glaucoma is one where unlike open angle glaucoma, it is actually about high eye pressure. The reason the eye pressure gets high in closed angle glaucoma is that the iris can get in the way of water leaving the eye. That happens most often in people who have smaller than normal eyes. Now, looking at someone's eye, you can't tell that it's really smaller. We're really talking about microscopically smaller and crowded. There's a movement of water in the eye. It comes from a back chamber or a back room in the eye, comes into the front chamber of the eye, and then leaves through the angle. And in these people with angle closure glaucoma, the iris is too close to the cornea, the angle is narrow at baseline, and the water movement gets blocked coming from the back chamber to the front chamber, coming through that black circular area that we call the pupil. And Harry, I'm gonna ask you another hard question because I like to give you a hard time. Does it matter what color your iris is? It doesn't probably matter what color your iris is, but it matters how spongy your iris is. The reason I know it doesn't matter what color it is, is let's imagine that you had two people, one of whom family came from Africa and one of whom's family came from Asia. They both have dark brown eyes. And yet angle closure glaucoma is much more common in Asian persons than in African derived persons. So it isn't so much that the iris of the eye, the brown part is brown, it matters how narrow the angle is first. And second, it matters whether when the pupil gets bigger, the iris gets thinner. Good explanation. And you can get me back later on with some hard questions. Don't worry. In terms of epidemiology and how many people have angle closure glaucoma, we know that there are around 15.7 million people worldwide with angle closure glaucoma. And in the United States, there are about a half million people with this condition. The highest concentration of angle closure glaucoma is amongst people who are of Inuit origin and people who are of East Asian origin. So we just discussed a risk factor for angle closure glaucoma, which is race. In terms of gender, there is a greater prevalence of angle closure happening in females. If you have a family history of angle closure glaucoma, you are a suspect. Also, as we get older, we start to develop a cataract. Remember that a cataract forms from the lens in your eye, and as that lens grows, it occupies more space, and it can close off the drainage system of the eye. So, if you're getting older and forming cataracts, that is potentially a risk factor for glaucoma. Also, if you have a condition called hyperopia, or short eye, like what Harry was mentioning, and hyperopia refers to refractive error, which is the prescription in your eyeglasses. So if you wear a glasses prescription that has a plus in front of it, and it's a very high number, that is a risk factor potentially for angle closure. How would you know if you were hyperopic? Well, if you wanna do this, put on your glasses and look in the mirror and look and see whether your eye and your face through your glasses in the mirror look magnified. If you look bigger through your glasses, then you know that your eye actually is without them, 
then you are farsighted or hyperopic, and your eye can be microscopically smaller than other people's and be at greater risk for this open angle. But there are many, many, many people who are hyperopic who do not ever get angle closure glaucoma. Let's point out some things that are not risk factors for angle closure. Diabetes is not a risk factor for this condition. High blood pressure is also not. And there's nothing that I know of in terms of lifestyle that puts you at risk for angle closure. Do you agree with me, Harry, or is there anything I'm missing? No, and, and for those who like a good cappuccino a day and for everybody who drinks that glass of wine a day, you'll live longer if you do each one of those. Now, we're talking in moderation. You don't have to be an abstainer. And we don't know anything regarding diet that relates to any of the forms of glaucoma, open angle or angle closure. But you should be eating five fruits and vegetables a day and minimizing your red meat so that you'll live long enough to see us for many, many years in the office. There are some medications that can cause angle closure or if you have a risk factor for angle closure can push you over to developing a high pressure and glaucoma. We'll have an episode dedicated to a discussion of medications that can cause various kinds of glaucoma from the open to the closed angle. But if you read a label and it says, this may cause you to have glaucoma, or beware if you have glaucoma, you should call your doctor and have a discussion with them about that medication. We're very happy to answer that question because about 99% of the time, you're going to be able to take and use whatever medication your other doctors want to give you to help with those other conditions. And in the 1% chance that it is at a risk for you, then you need to know that and we can find alternatives. Now let's talk about the evaluation. We mentioned this in episodes two and three in greater detail, but just to give you a review. So when you go for your eye exam, you're going to get a measure of your central visual acuity. So this is how far you can read at distance. Next, we check your pupils. So we shine a light in both eyes, one at a time, and we see how well each of your eyes absorbs the light. If one eye doesn't respond as strongly as the other one, then it could indicate that you have an optic nerve condition like glaucoma. Intraocular pressure, we measure in all patients. The central corneal thickness and corneal hysteresis are measurements we get as well. Gonioscopy, we talked a lot about that in episode five. Gonioscopy is how we determine what kind of an angle you have, whether it's open or closed angle. So this is really critical to the evaluation. We do have to use small little lenses that look at your optic nerve. And we do a visual field test. So again, remember that glaucoma starts with losing side or peripheral vision. And the visual field test is the best way for us to measure that. Sometimes we also measure your ability to read light versus dark. This refers to contrast sensitivity. Harry, how do we determine the target eye pressure for an individual with angle closure? Well, it's interesting because as in open angle glaucoma, there is a target pressure, but in open angle glaucoma, people can actually be susceptible to losing vision with a normal eye pressure. That's not the case with those who have typical angle closure glaucoma. So this is the situation where lowering the pressure generally to the normal range, if it's above the normal range, is the way in which we take care of the disease. Now there's a special condition. We didn't talk here yet about acute crisis or acute angle closure glaucoma. People with this condition uncommonly, that is only about 15 or 20% of those with angle closure glaucoma, get an acute attack of sudden very high pressure. That's the situation where the angle just goes completely closed. Well, boy, those folks 
have a sudden painful episode, it's the worst headache they ever had, their vision in that eye is poor, and if they were to look in the mirror, that eye might also be red. That's an emergency, and we'll probably deal with that as a separate podcast to talk about how do we manage that, but it's a very important condition where we very first make an opening in the iris and sometimes have to do even more therapy, sometimes even surgery. But for the treatment of angle closure glaucoma, step one is making a hole in the iris. That sounds kind of scary, a hole in the iris. Yeah, it's, it's so small that you can't see it, and we have to use a magnifying glass to see it. We're talking about a hole that is one quarter of a millimeter in size. That's smaller than a... Did you, do you still use pencils? It's, it's the size of the end of a pencil tip. Yes, Harry, we still read newspapers and we still have pencils. You know, the, we old guys still have these analogies that we use, but uh, as small as the pixel dot on the end of an iPad's period sentence thing. Okay, and can someone see that? Like, let's say an individual is getting one of these laser treatments. One of, one of their family members, neighbors, or friends be able to see that? Almost never. That's no, cool. almost never. So, but the, the key thing is it's a procedure, and the procedure is done always when someone has one level of angle closure but not another level. So we see it as being three levels, this disease. Level one, the most important one, is those who already have damage to the main nerve in the eye. We call them primary angle closure glaucoma, and we use the term glaucoma in this case to mean they have optic nerve damage. There are also people who don't have optic nerve damage, but their angle has been closed long enough that we can see that something bad has already started happening. They're called primary angle closure, not primary angle closure glaucoma, primary angle closure. Those folks have a higher than normal eye pressure, or when we do gonioscopy, we see little scars, high water marks left over for their angle having been closed and open and closed and open and then stuck. So when someone already has signs that the disorder has started, they too must have initial laser iridotomy or initial treatment of another kind. Now, the vast majority of people who we consider in this group are primary angle closure suspects. They don't have anything that's shown them as having a disease yet, and they don't have any damage to their optic nerve yet. And those are people who've been part of a special study that maybe we ought to talk about. So you're saying that if you have glaucoma and have angle closure, then you should have a laser. What is your feeling on people who are just suspects? Should they definitely have the laser or should they wait? Or what do you recommend? In order to answer that question, the ideal way to study it, let's imagine what would be the perfect thing to do. You would take a group of people who were primary angle closure suspects, a lot of them, and you would treat one eye with a laser and leave the other eye untreated and you'd just sort of randomly pick which eye got the laser treatment. Then you'd follow them in great detail, doing all the detailed tests for glaucoma for six or seven years. That study was done, recently reported in the, one of the biggest of the medical journals called The Lancet, and it was called the ZAP trial. We like giving studies jokey names. It was Because it was done in China, in a portion of China called Zhongshan, it was Z-A-P for the Zhongshan angle closure project trial. And in that study, interestingly enough, the number of people who developed anything bad in the untreated eye over six years was far, far lower than was predicted from the start of the study, even far lower than we thought. Now the laser treatment eyes, one eye in each person, did very, very well and did just a little bit better 
and didn't suffer any really bad consequences of having a laser treatment. So if you said, well, did doing the laser hurt anybody? The answer is no. If you said, did everybody in the study need a laser? The answer is that 95 plus percent of people who didn't have the laser did fine for six years or more. So we're now reevaluating how often we need to do laser iridotomy in primary angle closure suspects. What about eye drops? Can eye drops do the same thing as a laser? No. And, and well, first, because who wants to take eye drops for the rest of their life if I could do a 10-minute laser treatment and end the problem? But second, there was study of eye drops that try to avoid angle closure by keeping the pupil small. The drop is called pilocarpine. And despite taking pilocarpine, those eyes developed angle closure, unfortunately. Whereas primary angle closure and primary angle closure suspects who have an iridotomy have a very, very low rate of moving on to getting glaucoma damage in the future. I want to piggyback on what Harry is saying. And the reason why laser is really the mainstay of treatment for folks with angle closure is because it's caused by something different than with those who have open angle glaucoma. There's a mechanical obstruction. We have to relieve that obstruction. That's why we're creating the quote unquote hole in your iris. The way that the laser is done is in a surgery center or in clinic, and we just have you sitting upright. We put some numbing drops in your eyes. All you would feel is a lens touching the surface of your eye for a minute or so. Afterwards, we remove the lens and your vision might be a little bit fuzzy just because we had a lens on your eye and we're pushing a little bit. And again, because you had an anesthetic eye drop. But later that day, your vision will pretty much return to baseline and many of us treat the inflammation that you develop in your eyes with something like a steroid eye drop. It's interesting that patients who have this treatment, which is done with a pulsed laser, so it's a micro blast on the iris, and people describe to us that it was as if they heard a snap inside their eye or inside their head. Now, it's not a painful snap, but it's a little bit startling if you didn't get warned ahead of time. It's a little like if I said to you, there's going to be a loud noise in five seconds, well, you'd be all ready for it. If I didn't warn you, you'd jump out of the chair. So what I normally do is I say, now I'm going to deliver the laser now. And what I'll do is say three, two, one, snap. And when snap is said, that's when the laser delivers. And it very dramatically makes it easier for patients to have this particular treatment. Sometimes it's not just one snap. We do sometimes have to snap four or five or six times to get all the way through to make a hole. But we almost always make a hole on the first try. And rarely we have to do a little touch-up retreatment in six weeks. You might say, well, doesn't it heal up? And the answer is amazingly, the iris of the eye does not heal in 99% of people. It's as if the uh, eye was built so that once you make that hole, it'll never close up again. There's some unusual circumstances in which it does close, but those are called secondary glaucoma, the subject for another podcast. Let's talk about surgeries for angle closure glaucoma also. So earlier we had mentioned that cataract formation is a risk factor for getting angle closure. So cataract surgery is considered amongst the treatments for angle closure. Other options are trabeculectomy, tube shunts, and I don't know about you, Harry, I'm not a big fan of doing the minimally invasive glaucoma surgeries in someone with angle closure glaucoma, unless their angle is opened. And just because you have a closed angle to begin with, doesn't mean that it will always be closed. 
when we do the laser procedure or remove the cataract, your angle can open up. But I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. There was a very nice study done in England. And you remember a moment ago, I said that there's primary angle closure glaucoma. That's the really established disease where there's already optic nerve damage or primary angle closure where someone has a high eye pressure already. So disease has already started. So we're not gonna do cataract surgery on primary angle closure suspects. Them, we may not even do iridotomy, but for people who already have glaucoma with nerve damage or they have an eye pressure, let's say in the 30s, twice as high as normal. In this particular study, half of the people had cataract surgery and half of them had laser iridotomy. And the truth is that this study somewhat interestingly showed that removing the lens of the eye in these people not only made them a bit happier because some of them saw a bit better, but it was probably a bit better for the two to three to four year course of their primary angle closure glaucoma. So more surgeons, and that includes our group at the Wilmer Institute, are discussing having the lens of the eye removed. Now it's a bigger deal to have the lens of your eye removed than to have a laser iridotomy. Laser iridotomy, I can do it in 15 minutes you go home and you're fine and you don't have your eye opened and you don't have a chance of an infection in the eye. But cataract surgery nowadays is very, very low risk and might very well be considered for people who have established and already significant primary angle closure glaucoma. I'd have to say if it was me and I didn't have the glaucoma and I didn't have a cataract yet, I would want to have the laser for myself. But if I did have a cataract that was significant enough and occluding my vision, I would go for the cataract surgery over the laser, but that's just my opinion. I think if you have visual impairment already from cataract, it's a no-brainer because you get a twofer there. You get to see better and you get rid of some aspect of the angle closure phenomenon. The issue that this Eagle trial, the one that compared cataract to iridotomy raised, was what if the lens of the eye is clear? What if you wouldn't have been doing cataract surgery and you're removing somebody's cataract anyway. Well, the reason why the people in that Eagle trial were so happy is many of them had to wear thick eyeglasses because they were farsighted. Remember, we said farsightedness is a risk factor. So when they had cataract surgery, it's very easy for us to make you no longer needing big, thick glasses. And boy, they were really happy because they could see without glasses, at least as thick glasses as they used to have, and their glaucoma was better. So there's your double win. In terms of prognosis, how do you think most angle closure patients are doing overall? If they have not had a very severe degree of injury or an acute attack, that 20% who have acute attacks, if they haven't had that yet, they're going to do very well. But if you compare angle closure overall, let's say you look worldwide at who is blind from glaucoma, about half the people in the world who are blind from glaucoma are blind from angle closure and the other half are blind from open angle glaucoma. Remember, it's a low proportion of those in either group that are blind, but if half are blind from angle closure and half are blind from open angle glaucoma, we already told the, our listeners that open angle glaucoma is much more common. That means that angle closure is more morbid a condition, meaning it causes more injury and more visual acuity loss than does open angle glaucoma person by person. Great discussion. If you listen to episodes five, six, and seven, you'll be experts in the angle just like we are. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, your mom says take your drops. 